Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. I'm Royal Oaks. Next time on Too Many Lawyers, we take on a couple of villains to sort out whether bad stuff is also illegal stuff. George Santos won a seat in Congress by lying to voters, but is that a crime? And Kanye West made it clear he hates Jews. In England, he'd go to jail for that. Here in America, did he commit a hate crime? Listen to Too Many Lawyers on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. John Anik and Kenny Florian. I f***ing love them. I can't get enough of them. Let's hear that boost next. Big jab there from Duffy and Frank Mir is hurt now. Down goes Duffy. Oh, cold. Frank Mir does it again. Rock'em, sock'em, robots here. Oh, my goodness. I can't believe They're a couple of absolutely self-involved bull artists. Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. Oh, is it great to be with you? Sorry for the long wait for this episode. It is Monday, September 5th, 2022, Labor Day here in the United States of America, if not worldwide. No, I guess it's not worldwide. Sound very ignorant off the top of the show today. It's episode 364 of the Anakin Florian podcast. It's good to see you, my man. I'm uh, I'm out here on the West Coast. So this is sort of a primetime episode for you, 7.09 p.m. Eastern on a Monday night, kid. Yeah, it, but it's all good. It's all good. I got dinner in me. I'm a happy. I'm a happy boy now, good, and uh, good. it's good to see you too, man. You were at Stan's wedding, which was very cool. I was at Brian Stan's wedding in Los Angeles, the greater su- Southern California area last okay. night. Uh, that is yeah. one beautiful state. So, uh, no, it was absolutely great to see him in his element, and see how happy he was, and um, I have to say, you know. As someone who came from, I don't know about your broken family, right? But my family did break apart. But seeing them together, Brian Stan and his second wife, Michelle, who's incredible, almost as incredible, maybe as incredible as him, but five daughters combined and seeing these five girls wow. together, waterworks for me. You know, like when Stan was doing his vows and he turns to his stepdaughters, like me and Jay Glazer just start bawling. I'm legit bawling, like legit <laughs> tears coming down my sunglasses. Uh, hot as hell in there, uh, out there, I should say, but beautiful backdrop, really happy for Brian Stan. Speaking of, uh, vows, you know, my wife had said a couple days before the wedding, like, oh, you know, maybe we should have a party just like a hundred people or, you know, do like vow renewals at some point in time. Yeah. And, uh, I, I don't want to do that. You know, I mean, I, <laughs> I don't want to be the center of attention any more than I have to. Like at my right. wedding, I didn't want to grab a microphone or uh Ken Flo was there dressed to the fucking nines. No it. socks with dress shoes, probably. So now it seems like that's the look, right? Is uh, you know, no socks or just ankle socks with dress shoes. Yeah. You know, my ankles are pretty nice, I guess. So I think maybe I should start to move in that direction. But Ken Flo was doing that in fucking 2010 at my wedding in Way Western ahead. Massachusetts. Way ahead of everybody. Uh hey, dude. So listen, what's the year? Like, is there a year, like amount of years when you renew, or is this kind of like, oh, well, we'll renew because right. Yeah, what, what Chrissy, like how many years? No, I'm curious. Renew, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. No, Chrissy, point. I'm with you. But I will I got say, you back. Well, I will say that after going through a wedding at our advanced ages, my wife at the end of the whole thing was like, Yeah, I'm good. I don't wanna 
party anymore, which is kind of nice. She doesn't want to do it actually anymore, at least for now. Uh, but Cody has chased that information. He says vow renewals are often conducted at intervals of 2, 5, 10, 25, or 50. Okay. Yeah. Well, are you renewing your vows after two years, folks? I mean, any, advice to young married couples. I would not do it at two years. I'd fucking wait. I don't even think. <laughs> well, what has to go wrong for see, that to happen, right? Like, see, John's that's, doing that's something not organic. Right. John's doing something right, though, right? Because he, he, he had one wife. He's with her the whole time. You know, he's been to, he went to Stan's second wedding. He went to my second wedding. Yeah. That's so right. if, you, if you're having a second wife, just if you're friends with Anik, invite him. He'll be there. I think it's I'll good be luck. There. No matter yeah. what. That's a good point. Yeah. yeah so far, yeah. so good. We got one wife so far. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I barely knew my wife when we got married. Never mind after two years of dating. I know who she is now and we are uh, still together. So real quick, I just thought this was sort of a funny story. So I don't drink that much, you know, prefer maybe some other recreational drugs here and there. But. I don't drink that much. So casino cruise the night before and it's like pretend money. But basically, whoever wins gets whoever has the most money. There were two prizes. Grand prize on the casino cruise the night before Stan's wedding. You know, Oculus, right? The virtual reality thing. Oh, and yeah. an iPad, all sorts of electronics that my children would absolutely love. Right. So I'm a couple tequilas in a little bit buckled playing roulette. And uh, I think I'm playing with five dollar chips. And again, it's pretend money. Right. It's great yeah. for me to play right. with pretend money instead of losing my shirt the night before the wedding. So I think I'm playing with $5 chips and I start putting them on numbers as I often do. I play a corner of the wheel and the dealer, the woman says, you know, can you just do one on each number instead of two chips? And I'm thinking, well, we scaling back the stakes here. Little did I know uh, that I was putting $500 chips on every number because, I, you know, they gave you a thousand bucks. I got it up to like five or seven grand, whatever. Long story short, I had five a $500 chip that I thought was a $5 chip on red 23, my son's birthday. So, you know, I end up with like $18,000 in chips or whatever. So the one thing they told us not to do was give the chips to the kids. But it's like all these cute little girls. I'm missing my daughters. Like, of course, Savannah Stan and her uh, her beautiful stepsister got my uh, got my chips and and they got the prize package. So that's awesome. man! Wow. Yeah. And I'm sure my children uh, would would be so be pissed. pissed they yeah, yeah, they are. Um, one other thing before we get into uh, Seattle gone and what was an amazing UFC live event in Paris. Here in the U.S., we are on the eve, essentially, of the NFL season, which is a very special time in the lives of many people. So one account I follow on Instagram, Instagram, I should say, NFL memes underscore IG, and they posted something that said only one more week until I let a professional football team determine my mood for the next four months. And, you know, for a lot of us, that is our existence. I think for me as a Patriots fan going into this year, I'm not ambitious or optimistic necessarily you know i don't particularly think the quarterback is the next guy Hmm. but uh in most seasons that team if my expectations were a little bit loftier would control my mood effectively for four months and it would my week would basically depend on that sunday result you know right but we've had we've had many good years we've many many good years years. yeah but at 44 years of age it is interesting that uh that a football team could have that profound an impact on your every day all right, how are you recovering from uh, you all right from the uh, COVID been, twenty or whatever you had, dude? I, I've been feeling good. I've been feeling way better. Um, so yeah, no, thank you about that. Right, I, I, like that, yeah, that first day of the podcast, I was feeling way better. Now I'm all right, infinitely good. better. Yeah, thank all right. Seattle Gone is feeling wicked good here on a Monday after what he was able to do against Tai Tuivasa. Could not have drawn it up any better for the combat sports leader. Unbelievable main event to headline a great card in Paris. And Seattle Gan went in there a man with a plan, right? 
he wanted to finish the fight. He wanted to put on a show. He wanted to impress the promotion, the fan base, his fellow Parisians. I mean, I know we're not supposed to cuss as much, right? Mission fucking accomplished for Seattle God. And I'm just so impressed with what he was able to do uh, to sustain what happened early on in the fight in that second mm-hmm. round. Um, big ups to both heavyweights. And we'll start, obviously, with the winner, Seattle God. Yeah, listen, I, I think that's the story, right? Is it, not only was it a very technical performance, I think he got a little bit lackadaisical uh, during that exchange when he got caught by Tuivasa. Uh, but what he did do is, is learn a little bit more about himself and his ability to battle back, get back on track, um, and to not uh, you know, take it easy against any opponent, some, especially one as dangerous as Tuivasa. Um, but when he's putting it together, man, I, again, as a heavyweight, and uh, again, we haven't seen John Jones yet um, at, at heavyweight, but he moves better than anyone out there in that division. His footwork, he's so slick. He's so smooth. Uh, his footwork patterns, his angles that he creates, the different weapons that he uses, uh, attacking the body, attacking the legs, going upstairs. He has a lot of cool little tricks that you just don't see a whole lot of heavyweights uh, use or yeah, even have. Yeah. So I, I was really impressed with his performance. Uh, and again, his, abil- his ability to battle back from getting knocked down and having to weather that storm, I thought was really impressive. He's going to learn a lot from that. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's just a great performance from, from Cyril Gunn. Dr. David Abbasi, friend of the program who has looked at my knee and handles several MMA athletes, Kayla Harrison and others, uh, referenced a kick uh, to the spleen by Cyril Gunn. Have you ever taken a kick to the spleen? You probably knew before this fight where the spleen was. I didn't know until I- the doctor's great explanation. I've never taken a kick to the spleen. Uh, it's it, it. It sounds painful. It looks. You painful. still have your spleen. I correct? still have it. I okay. do. You still I have do. your spleen. But yeah, I mean, Cito got mixing it up beautifully. I still would contend that he could fight a less risky fight too, because if you're going for it and you're having aggression offensively in the heavyweight division, especially against a guy like Ty, at times you're going to leave yourself open. Ty's a great athlete. He's accurate and he connected. And uh, I just think for Seattle, this is just like a win within a win. I mean, just a brilliant performance and result. And in terms of his star power, uh, it opens up so many big fights. And I do think Tuivasa's stock goes up for me as well. You know, the desire for him has aligned with the athleticism, right? And I do believe that he's getting better. He wants it. Um, you know, I think he, I don't know if Tai Tuivasa can be champion necessarily, but I guess uh, as far as Cyril Ghan is concerned, first Ken Flo, um, what do you do with Ghan now? Because, I mean, the world in a lot of respects is his oyster as Francis Ngannou uh, idols on the Met. That's a good question, man. I I don't know. I mean, who is out there for him right now? I don't know. Maybe, maybe the maybe it's the loser of John Jones and Steve Miocic, uh, perhaps. So are we uh, assuming who, that that fight is going to happen? Is that the assumption that Jones that, and Steve? I I think so. I, I think that's the fight that's going to happen. I think that's right. the fight that the UFC wants. I think Steve yeah. and John Jones wants it as well. Francis Ngannou. When is he going to be ready? Another right. six months right. or so. Right. Right. So I, I, unless he gets a rematch against Francis Ngannou. I don't know. Does he kind of just wait? Who else is out there? I I don't have the uh, right. All right. Cody, so do you have the rankings there? But I got it all. I got it all. Okay, so, uh, go. Oh, look got? at Cody just popping right in. A nice where Cody's not double dipping today. When we go prime time, we don't have to worry about uh, other people trying to you know pluck at our uh, executive producer Cody Merrow. But so we'll see what happens with John Jones and Stipe. I mean, I don't know yeah. that any of us would be ambitious right now that 
I think the last pay-per-view of the year might be December 10th. I mean, do we really think that they're going to lock the door behind Jones and Stipe December 10th? Looks like maybe January pay-per-view would be Brazil. I mean, I don't know. Um, but I think John Jones, I guess, would be more viable now than before, given this result for Cito Gan. I mean, what a great way to distance himself from the Francis Ngannou fight. Curtis Blades is lurking and chirping. And what I like about Blades, another guy who's who's right there on the cusp and remarkably has never fought for the title, I don't believe. Um, Aspinall's on the mend. Ngannou's on the mend. Stipe, who knows what's going on with him? You know, at some point, you got to think that he's going to have at least one more fight. I think they'll probably do Aspinall and Tuivasa. You know, Tom Aspinall called for that fight. And it's just interesting. I think Mick Maynard and Dana White and Sean Shelby deserve a lot of credit for the way this played out, right? Because they struck with this fight between Ghan and Tuivasa when it seemed like a foundation had been laid to make the fight between Tai Tuivasa and Tom Aspinall. So I think that might happen. But Blades and Gone both strike me as guys, Ken Flo, who want to stay active and want to compete. Yeah. And, you know, I don't think I don't think Gone, depending on, you know, whatever recovery time he needs, would be against, you know, getting in there with uh with Curtis Blades in a main event setting. So I think you might see Blades and Gone next. But uh That would be I awesome. Big night for the heavyweight division all, all around. We congratulate Seattle. Gone, really good dude. Uh, it just seemed like an incredible environment. I look forward to talking to some of my colleagues next week to see uh, how they enjoyed being there in uh, Paris, France. Allons-y. Did anyone say Allons-y, which on the broadcast means let's go. It's watching here and there on my phone. I did not ingest a lot of this fight card because um, I was trying to give the greatest living American, Brian Stan, my all. Man, did I feel inferior at this wedding, by the way. Right, I am surrounded by former Navy football players and Marines and CEOs. And I mean, I felt like a fucking runt, bro. You know, I mean, I really truthfully like, no, it's just a lot of impressive men and uh, just sort of in awe of, of the bond. And uh, obviously Stan leading the charge as usual, by the way, I, I don't think Brian Stan listens to the Anakin Florian podcast, but I do think that, uh, you know, he had a segment on here for a while. We got to have him back on. What is it? Take a stand yeah. or whatever he called it, you know, <laughs> But I do believe the fan base enjoys the updates from the former WEC champion. Obviously, he was a staple of the UFC broadcast team. But if he listens, we're about to roll in a video that uh, he's probably not going to enjoy. Um, so basically, at the end of the night, you know, Stan's trying to coordinate the after party. Um, and I love my buddy, but you know he loves a microphone like nobody's business. So uh, here's Stan finding a hot microphone if we have it uh, at the tail end of his wedding. Uh, Stan, I'm sorry if you're watching or listening. You tell us where, right? <laughs> You tell us where, and we're rolling. Once we get to that lobby, we are rolling as adults, and we're going to go rock that place. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go, B-Stan. Trying to rally the troops in the middle of the night. I, I mean, I was I was browned out. I got back there, and uh, this was last night, I think. Yes, I drove from uh, from L.A. to Vegas. We're in Las Vegas now here at the beautiful Waldorf Astoria. This is like a Kenflow hotel. In the Waldorf Astoria. <laughs> Rest assured, I'm going to New York, New York uh, with the UFC masses in a couple of days. Uh, <laughs> lost my train of thought. But yeah, there's B-Stan at the end of the night. That's so awesome. I think the bar was closed when we got back there. Uh, all right, but I'm going in a lot of different directions today. Congratulations to Seattle Gone. Great family, great guy. And I love Ty, man. I mean, the ultimate entertainer. One of the true showmen in the game today. Uh, all right, what'd you think of the co-main event, Robert Whitaker and Marvin Vittoria? I mean, I got to think a fighter like you on your level just really enjoys watching Robert Whitaker continue to evolve, continue to get better. Man, he's just, he's such a technician. And, 
he knows exactly what he needs to do uh, and, and when he needs to do it. Um, you could see that his experience advantage, his speed advantage was very apparent in that fight. He's just always making great decisions. You know, he's one of those guys. Uh, let's take the Adesanya fight uh, out of it, but. He never throws himself out of position. He's not making major mistakes, um, which was why that loss and the way that he lost the first time around against Adesanya was so unusual. Um, he, he's just a very smart fighter. He's got a lot of different tools. Um, and Marvin Vittori really was just ineffective throughout that fight, really couldn't do much at all. Uh, the, the the gains that he's made with his wrestling, his ability to, um, you know, counter a lot of takedown attempts and get back to his feet if he needs to. Um, and I, I, again, I was just really, really impressed. It's just another classic Robert Whitaker performance yeah. where he's very machine-like and he can make you look like you're not a very good fighter, um, even if you are good. And, and I think that's always a sign of a guy who is not good, but great. And we talk about the word desire, and I think it can waver for fighters at times, not to suggest that Robert Whitaker's championship desire ever wavered. He's always had that medal for sure, but he wants it right now, like in a very bad way. Like he's just totally committed and focused and has that work-life balance with his family and everything else. And uh, yeah, I just thought he performed beautifully. And there's a lot to get into on the Whitaker side, the Vittori side. Let's close the Vittori stuff up and then circle back on Whitaker and this perceived desire to move up to 205 pounds, potentially. Marvin Vittori hasn't necessarily evolved a whole lot. I mean, certainly we can commend his chin and, and everything else. And, and he had a couple of moments here and there, I guess. You know, certainly I think Robert Whitaker would have finished most middleweights over these 15 minutes on this night. Um, but what do you make of Vittori here in defeat? Just can't get over the hump against the, the, the two elite guys of this division. Yeah, well, I think you kind of nailed it. Um, I don't see a guy who is really improving and trying to be a better mixed martial artist necessarily. Maybe he is. Maybe that's a little strong. Um, but as far as seeing new tools and new wrinkles to his game and, and other parts that are dangerous, I I just don't see it. It was kind of exactly what I expected. And, um, and that's not a great thing. You, you want to see new tools. You want to see different strategies. You know, his best bet was just moving forward, pressuring, trying to, you know, get Whitaker to brawl with him a little bit, trying to get him on the ground. You know, he's not a submission threat necessarily. He's not a guy who's going to wow you with his speed or athleticism necessarily. He's a big, strong kid. Um, but, you know, I, I think what he needs is something different. There, there needs to be some other element, especially when it comes to his footwork um, and, and the type of strikes that he throws because he's very predictable. There's um, very similar patterns with all of his fights, um, and, and that's a dangerous thing. If you're trying to be the best guy in the world, when you're doing the same thing over and over again, uh, it's going to be easy for especially a guy like Robert Whitaker, of course, to read what you're doing and then pick you apart. Yeah, no, well played, well put. And we all know Vittori puts in the time, the hours. I mean, the man hours in training is not the question, but you wonder if maybe getting a different look. I think at this point, you know, pushing the reset button and doing that would uh, would make a lot of sense. So Robert Whitaker said to Submission Radio, I believe before the fight, uh, and I quote, I've been thinking about 205 pounds a fair bit. The problem is, wouldn't go to light heavyweight to come back down to middleweight just because I don't want to go to 205 as a fat 185er, right? 
see a lot of guys try that and they just get starts and they come back down. It doesn't make sense. And a lot of comments, obviously, in the post fight about being the most dangerous man in the division. Now, Daniel Cormier takes great exception to even his his dear friend, Kamar Usman, suggesting that he can go up and fight Jan Blachowicz. You know, and I certainly think that uh, as a former welterweight, Whitaker would be tremendously outsized against somebody like Yuri Prohaska, the current champion. Um but I do think Whitaker finds himself in a little bit of a tricky situation. I would like to see Robert Whitaker fight Paulo Costa in a main event. I mean, I think that is an enormous fight. I think the stars have aligned, the calendar aligns. I think that makes all the sense in the world. Uh, what are your thoughts on Whitaker or any, I guess, elite welterweight slash middleweight going up to what is perceived to be a more shallow light heavyweight division and content? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot to unpack there. I think that Whitaker should stay at 185. He's not the biggest middleweight anyway, you know, anyway. So I think that he's in the right division. Uh, he unfortunately has, you know, Pereira and Adesanya in front of him who are going to be very tough challenges for him, whoever wins that fight. But I, I think you're spot on with his next potential challenge. I would love to see him against Paulo Costa. I think that's a big fight. Um, I, I definitely think that's a, a big main event fight night or oh. perhaps a co-main event for a pay-per-view. I think yeah. that's that's right about there. Uh, and for Vittori, again, yes, the 205-pound division is kind of weak right now. Should he go up to 205? No, that's not the answer for him. He just needs to improve his skills, uh, keep doing what he's doing, and, and um, you know, just try to add some new wrinkles into his game. But other than that, uh, you know, people always try to find a different weight class as a solution. Um, I yeah. certainly fought in a lot of different weight classes, some because I had to and some because yeah. I chose to. Um, yeah. But it wasn't necessarily the right you know, choice for me going down to 145, even though I had a title shot. Um, you know, you, you got to find that weight, weight class that is best for you. Um, that makes the most amount of sense. For me, it was 155. Um, but uh, and I think that's kind of the same case for for someone like Vittori. Yeah. All right, well, we'll see what they do with uh, Robert Whitaker, but I do think the Paolo Costa fight, that just gets me so excited. And Costa Great called fight. for it on Saturday night or on Sunday shortly after the fight. Uh, all right, Longo's coming up here in a couple of minutes if he answers the primetime bell here on the East Coast. Uh, what would you think of Nasordini Mavov against a very competitive Joaquin Buckley? Unanimous decision, 29-28 times two, and uh, 30-27, to the dissenting judge, all in favor of the streaking Nasordini Mavov. I thought Buckley, you know, tried, you know, valiantly to try to create angles and mix things up. He was switching his stances a lot. He was uh, shifting his stances as he came forward, which I thought uh, threw Imavov uh, off a little bit. But Imavov uh, is a tremendous fighter, man. I, I think he lacked inexperience. You could see that in round three. That's what allowed Buckley to come back into the game. But from a skills, from a skills perspective, from a size perspective. Um, and from someone who knows how to put it all together, I thought it was pretty clear that Imavov was the better fighter. Uh, Buckley, you know, showed a lot of heart uh, moving forward. He's too small for that division, I think. Um, as far as if you want to make a run at a belt, if he wants to just fight and, and get big fights, okay, that's fine. But if you're trying to be a top five, you're trying to be elite in that division, that's probably not the division for Buckley, in my opinion. Um, but, uh, I, I thought he showed a lot of heart in round three. I thought, he, I thought he won round three, but it was largely because Imavov, I thought was getting a little bit frustrated, a little bit winded, 
um, and didn't really have the experience to fall back on um, to kind of, I guess, cruise or dominate the rest of that fight. So, um, yeah, but I, I think Imavov is someone to watch. Do not sleep on this yeah, guy. I said this yeah. before his last fight. Even in his loss against uh, Phil Hawes, I said this is a guy who you need to watch. I think he's going to be a really good fighter moving forward, um, and I think he's going to be very dangerous and, and potential uh, contender in the future. Yeah, well played. I got a buddy who loves betting on Nasser Dini Mavov and, and cashed another ticket this weekend. Nice. Um, all right, let us get to the star of the program. Let us get to the Ray Longo Minute. It's now time for the Ray Longo Minute. I want you to punch a hole in this fucking chest. That's what I want. The Ray Longo Minute. Starring Ray Longo. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. There Yo. he is. Hello. There man. he is. Hello there, my boys. How we <laughs> What's feel? up, man? How we doing? Good. How was the wedding? Oh, it was great. It was great. Let's show Ray a video, not of Brian Stan lathered at the end of the night, but let's show the uh, the final song of the night. I mean, watch this, Ray, with uh, with, with B Stan in the middle of. I mean, come on. I mean, it's as good as it gets. God bless the USA, surrounded by a bunch of Marines. Um, it's a tight-knit group. It was a special night, you know. That's awesome, man. Congrats yeah. to Brian Stan, man. What a just a great guy. It is amazing. It is really amazing. So I ran into some dude, like, at the hotel pool, and he had just met Brian the night before. And so I told him, I, you know, a former broadcast partner or whatever, and he said, you know, you must have felt really inferior standing next to that guy for five years. And I'm like, yes, like, absolutely. <laughs> like, it really is an interesting feeling. I mean, I certainly feel that with Ken Flo as well. Like, Kenny is a great living American. Ray Longo is as well. But Beeston is like, I mean, the dude is just like, don't give me Tom Brady, greatest living American. Tom Brady never served the United States of America. Exactly. You know? So how are you, Ray? I'm pretty good. How yeah? are you? Where are you? You're At back from Calabasas. I actually drove to Vegas today, getting ready for uh, UFC 279. You know, just keep Please. burning it at all ends. I mean, you don't stop, you know? man. It is, it is, I, it is crazy when you get on that wheel and it just keeps rolling, man. Hamster wheel. The hamster you know? wheel. That's what it is. Yeah, I don't even know where I am right now. Got a little buckled last night, but uh, did you see Sidogan and Tai Tuivasa? Woo! Beautiful fight. Beautiful. I mean. So Ken Flo and I called a heavyweight fight in Brisbane, Australia in 2013 between Mark Hunt and Bigfoot Silva. Ubiquitously regarded as one of the best heavyweight fights of all time. Um, you know, I, 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 Ken Flo, I don't know if this was that, right? This wasn't a full no. 25 minutes. It wasn't the back and forth of that. But um, I don't know, sitting in a hotel room watching this thing on my cellular telephone, you know, I thought this was like the greatest fight I'd ever seen. I don't know. I thought it was <laughs> unbelievable to watch the back and forth that second round. Um, I have so much respect for Ty and defeat. What do you have for us on the main event? Raymond, man, just a technical masterpiece. Uh, and I mean, he did get dropped. So it had everything you want in the fight, right? The guy's doing good. Then he gets dropped, gets right back up. He comes back, he wins the fight. But I mean, it's the teep kicks and the jab just dictated that fight. And it those those teep kicks, the way he throws them to the solar plexus, and then he was hitting the liver kicks. I mean, he just wrecked that guy's midsection. He yeah. occupied him. He mesmerized him with the jab, and he crushed him with those kicks to the midsection. And that's the story of the fight against a guy that could take a beating 
He broke oh, yeah. them down, man. He broke yeah. them down, and he's going to break a lot of people down because he's hard to get to. And now, you know, I think that even getting dropped will help him moving on to the future. He knows he can come back against a huge puncher that puts people down. He he came back. So yeah. I think he shows everything you want in a fighter. And for a guy that big to move like that, so beautiful and elegantly and just the gracefulness and, you know, yeah. he's in and out for a big guy. Uh, he looked great. He looked great against a guy that was on a good roll. So. Yeah, you hit on a lot of good things there, as you often do. Yeah, this win has got to be a huge confidence builder to fight a puncher like that, to take his best shot and, and to ultimately put him away like that. You remember the worst kick that either of you guys took teep to the solar plexus or the spleen or the liver? I mean, it sounds like a lot of fun. Tito Gan should change his nickname from Bongama to the organ hunter. You know, I yeah. mean, this dude is just targeting organs. Ken Flo, you remember the worst one you took to the body? I, I actually never got hit ever. I knew it was coming. Never, so never. I don't know really what it's like. No, I remember I, I took a knee. I remember taking a knee and uh, like almost wanting to go down. I'm like, I can't go down from a body shot. But that was inspiring. I don't I never ate a body shot in a fight, thankfully. Um, but yeah, man, I, I, I don't know. But I, they're not fun. They're not fun. I always try to hurt people to the body. You know, um, yeah. I've seen guys get dropped all the time in training and stuff like that. Um, but in a fight, it's a hor it's a horrible feeling, man. It just your whole body shuts down. You're you want to keep fighting, but you just you get folded like a lawn chair. And, it, you know, anytime you, you, you look, you want to look into your own asshole. That's never a good thing. Huh. <laughs> Ray, do you ever recall taking you had to have taken? I, I, can, I, I can tell you one thing. I never want to look into my asshole. That, <laughs> that I never did. I never did. And I really always try to stop. I always try to stop other people, too, from looking in there. Kenny. I really, as a human being, I feel obligated. It's not right. To make it's sure not right. Nobody goes near my asshole. I don't know it's why, not, but it's just it's I, not normal. It's, it's not just, normal. I couldn't do that to anybody, even my worst enemy. I'd, I'd have to say, no, please don't do that. You're not going to, it's not going to be good. No, oh, no. Kenny, I think Kenny, I think he just went and looked in your own asshole. I didn't, <laughs> we lost his he buckled, for a minute. He buckled me with it. Oh, he keeps trying or so it appears. I've never been, I've never been even in sparring hurt to the body. I mean, the worst kick I took was to the Adam's apple. And that thing was, Oh, that that ooh. stopped me in my tracks. Oh God! <laughs> oh yeah, that was a, that yeah. was a that was one of the shittiest <laughs> feelings I ever had. But body wise, oh, I normally uh, I used to like to even tempt people to hit me in the body so it would open up their head, you know. But uh, yeah, I never I never felt that. Thank God, because yeah. well, I will say one thing, and we talk a lot about Longo's greatness on this show, and it is incredible. It really, truly is incredible to have three different undisputed UFC champions from three different eras to be able to lay claim to wins over Anderson Silva uh, and Jose Aldo and all of these legends, George St. Pierre, that you guys have you know effectively left in your wake. But the sacrifice that you have made with your body, and I'm hoping uh -huh. you'll share the story just a little bit, right? Like. For Ray right now at, you know, whatever age, like 52, 53 years old, whatever he is right yeah. now, like, uh, yeah. but he's just been kicked to hell. And at one point back in the day, you were in Las Vegas, I believe there was some sort of ultimate fighter tryout and correct me if I'm wrong, but you ended up having to, you know, absorb and hold pads for hours on end and uh, it beat you up pretty good. Can you tell that story to our audience? Uh, that's part of it. Well, that, that happened. Uh, I tell you, I used to like, 
when the guys from Spike told it because it wasn't me talking. But there's still a couple of people from Spike. That was in Manhattan. I went in. It was Matt was fighting Carol Parisi, and he goes, "You want to come with me tomorrow? You know, we're going to do a little promo for the Parisian fight." And I said, uh, "Yeah, all right. What what time?" He goes, "I'll pick you up at like five thirty in the morning." So oh. not just I want to. You guys know me now, so you can tell Dang. even even back then if I was getting up at nine, that would be so fight early. Gets me in the car, and then we get down there. They, they're also doing the tryouts for season two. So oh, Dane wow. is like, oh, man, we have nobody. Now, we're at Henzo Gracie's Academy, and he's like, we have nobody to hold pads. And now it's probably like 6.30 in the morning. Matt goes, Longo will do it. He now, just volunteered you? Time, no, Kenny, Henzo's at the time. This I, I swear to God, I don't want I, – I really – would like somebody else to tell the story, but Henzo's at the time was at jujitsu school, so there ain't a fucking tie pad to huh. be seen. So they find the shittiest fucking two tie pads you ever want. Where the Velcro, I want to say, is almost reversed. So you know the sticky part, Penny. That's yeah. on my forearms. This isn't even a joke, right? So now. I go like this. I remember who the hell was there? Somebody else was there. I think it was Tom DeFazio. And it's got to be like a hundred guys. And I'm just in the ring going and going and going. And I remember Rachel Leah was there. And I think Dana sent her over. She comes over. She goes, Dana said he'll pay anything you want. I mean, I'm taking a fucking beating. Getting uh, hit the, the balls, somebody, the legs, the head. Somebody's pumping me full of Gatorade in between rounds and out. <laughs> That Velcro on my arms actually caused, like, the scraping. By the time I was done, I had, like, third-degree burns on my arms. I had to get, like, the doctor prescribed, like, special cream, I think, or whatever. But it was, uh, Kenny, it was about an hour and a half straight. It was. Of guys who probably, you know, 50, 60% of them didn't even know how to strike. And you're just. Couldn't even, <laughs> couldn't even hit the pan. I got hit in the head more than I got oh hit the Oh, my. Now, fuck that. You know, Kenny, a. Fucking ass beating. <laughs> so there's a guy. I can't think of the guy's name. I think Schwartz was his name. It was a oh from he was, from Spike from Spike. Spike yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Nice guy, right? Yeah, he is. He would tell people when they when they met. That's the toughest motherfucker <laughs> I ever met in my life. I mean, dude, it was that might have been the worst thing I ever did. It was nonstop. And okay, like Kenny uh, says, John, you're talking about guys that are getting on the show. They suck. So you got a hundred right, guys. Right, right. Think of the right. sixty guys that don't get on the show. How bad they oh are! Oh my goodness! I, I know you're a man of humility. I was, out, I was out for a while with that. Bad. Did Did you at least get a check? Did they give you? Did they hook you up with something? He's you not going to comment on that it's part. It's funny of you it, bring but... that up there, Ken, because uh, yeah, that <laughs> check that check never made it. <laughs> <laughs> I knew. It. But this was this was at a point you where got a were... you got a really nice doctor's bill though that was yeah, nice. yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> no doctor dr sherry saved me man she was she Jeez. was she was pissed when she looked at my arms and she goes that's that's bad like it was bad Damn. and then uh but that was at a point where they were losing money still they still right. weren't making money so i yeah. forgive them for the lack of the check but uh rachel lee at the time she goes name your price like it was bad like yeah. anybody looking was like this is the fuck is the guy doing it was horrible yeah i wanted you to tell that story because you've made oh, a tremendous bodily sacrifice and uh, uh no you are one tough mother effort you know even if you don't like new yorkers you gotta at least respect longo folks you know uh, even if you don't like new yorkers right 
Who doesn't like New Yorkers? What are we talking about? Bostonians. Bostonians. Like they're yeah. really you better. excited for the NFL football season, or are we still in this boy- NFL boycott? Nah. Oh, my God. <laughs> Don't even know it exists. <laughs> All right. Uh, I would like to get back into it, though, but I doubt it will happen. Oh, American football, baby. American yeah. football. Robert Whitaker, what do you have for us on uh, on Bob Knuckles? Real simple. Another tactical masterpiece. Here's the, here's the, the thing on that. He was one step ahead of him the whole fight. He read everything that was coming, yeah. and the other guy had no clue as to what was going on. Well, he could, he just can't. You know, I think with Vittori, I don't, I don't know him at all, but you could see there were fights where he clearly lost that he thought he won. So I think he's that guy who's hard to, you know, he must be hard to change because he made no adjustments on the fly in this fight at all. If anything, it just got worse and worse and worse, and he's got a. He's got to send the blockhead so he could take the punishment. Uh, but, man, Whitaker was just a step ahead. You could see he was reading everything that guy was throwing, period. I don't, I don't know how else to, to describe the fight. And, you know, the fact that the other guy could take it even made it, you know, kind of better. He got good work in. Right. But uh, nothing. No, there were just no adjustments made at all. Yeah. Kempfla, what you laughing about off the top there? Can you tell uh, us? I- about about the race story, it's just I'm just dying. Oh, he's still marinating on all that. Yeah, I, know. I, just, I, just, I just I'm um, seeing Ray just get knocked around. Oh no, I'm telling you, Kenny. There was one guy said I held the pads wrong because I didn't want to get him on the show. Like he was so yeah. bad. Yeah, I don't even like huh. I, I could I, I could I could come up with another ten I, stories. I'm just I'm not. I I just know and I could just visualize. It's the worst position to be in. I mean, nah. it's. Horrible. But again, yeah. Kenny, now it's 6.30 in the morning. <laughs> so think about that. I am completely shot. Yeah. Shot. Right. 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 Yeah. Oh, so, uh, no, Whitaker, I thought Whitaker looked great. You know, Whitaker, so, unfortunately, his problem is going to be he'll probably never be able to get by Adesanya. So I think for him, the best thing that could happen is Pereira beats Adesanya, right. creates the interest. For Whitaker to jump in there again, I think for everybody, for the organization, and you know, for pay per view buys, something like that. But uh, Whitaker just looked great. He looked really great against you know a guy that's ranked right up in the uh, top five. I would be stunned if Pereira beats Adesanya and doesn't have to beat him again. You know, I mean, maybe the calendar would align where Whitaker could somehow slide in there. But I just feel yeah. like if Pereira beats Izzy, Izzy's getting another crack at him. But uh, yeah. I'm just saying for 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 Whitaker, that's got to be what he's pulling for instead of, of Adesanya course. winning no again. Doubt. The chances of him going back in there, even though that last fight was close, uh, you know, the UFC's now in a conundrum with all these, you know, like Figueredo and Moreno. I didn't think did. that last fight was as close as as some did between Whitaker and Adesanya, with respect. But that's uh, yeah. I mean, I, don't, I I honestly I don't even. You know, I'm telling you though. Like, my dream fight for two years now has been Hamzat Shimaya versus Colby Covington. And am I crazy? Like, Whitaker Costa might might be my new dream fight. Like, I love that fight. Paolo Costa and Robert Whitaker, they've never fought before. What am I missing? No? No? You don't share my enthusiasm, Ray? No. Whitaker, to... Whitaker wins that fight easy. Well, that's fine. But he's yeah. it's not like he's more than minus 200 against Costa. Maybe in Longo's sports book. I'm taking a <laughs> bath. Like, if my wife... Uh, hey, hey, oh no, John! I'll, uh, I'm going to agree with you with one thing. 
if we could guarantee to see the, the Paulo Costa that fought like Romero and Uriah Hall 100%, I just think he's unreliable. You're not sure what you're getting. Yeah. Yep. You know, I mean, you, the guy just stood in front of a guy that had his hands on his knees. He was completely out of breath and he couldn't take advantage of that. Who the Fair fuck enough. is this guy beating? Who the fuck is this guy? No, no, I actually, you know what? He's actually, wait, I take that fact though. He's actually a nice guy. I hope I'm not, I'm not going to criticize him. He's not a bad guy at all. I'm going to tell him that Longo is, is one of his defenders. <laughs> See what he says, you know? <laughs> I actually think Paulo Costa is more handsome than a prime Ray Longo, and that's saying something because no, you no, you are no, more a, handsome a, than most men in your. No, he's a, no, he's a supermodel. That guy. Yeah. No, yeah. but he's a he's a supermodel you, of a human being. A like secret. he's a great guy. Great, yeah, yeah, no, great he's guy. a really good guy. I don't. I'm not. I'm just looking to make a couple of jokes. That was no, of course you are. I know. Yeah. Uh, oh, look at look at look at Longo fucking retreating. You know. Back to New York. You know whose mother is in love with Paulo Costa? Bruce Buffer's mom, Connie. Damn. 100%. Correct, right? 100%. That's my guy, Buff. Happy birthday, yeah, Connie. Did a, uh, Costa did a video for Bruce's mother. I was there. That's okay. what I said. I <laughs> wanna, you know, yeah. Whatever. Was it so, for Bruce or? It was, was it Bruce or Bruce's mom? <laughs> it was for Bruce's mom. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's make it sure. We were at. Uh, <laughs> you know what? I'm not going to tell that story right now. I'm just not gonna do it. No, you know what? I'll do it. Um, we were, I might've done this before. We're at Longo Wyman MMA a few weeks ago after the Long Island show and Buff's trying to give Longo like this video. I probably told this story before and Ray's like, no, I'm good. You know, thank you, Bruce, but it's okay. Like we're just hanging out. And Buff's like, no, you know, I'll give you a free video right now. Like you promote your gym and Ray's like, no, I'm good. You know, thank you though, Bruce. But I'm good. Uh, and then finally he said a third time, Ray's like, all right, man, you know, I'll take the video. Cody was there. That's that's my. <laughs> uh, it's never uh, been posted. I'm still gonna go back, Kenny. I wish you were there. We had a great time. But Buff, I, I wish I was there for that, man. That's the best Bruce Buffer I've seen. This guy was unbelievable. What He's a on gracious, fire! What a gracious guy. Even at the restaurant, I mean, I seen a different side of him. I yeah. love the guy. I really do. He He's a just a great guy. He he handled that crowd like the true professional that he is. And I'll tell you, when he makes those videos off the cuff, the guy doesn't skip a beat. He's great. No doubt. I don't want to tell does. you career earnings on Cameo for Bruce Buffer. I mean, the guy is an absolute machine. Go to Cameo.com if you would Seriously. like Bruce Buffer to give you a happy birthday or wedding intro. Give me, a, give me an approximation. I'm not going to do that. Uh, Ken Flo and I are on Cameo as well. We are. We are. Uh, if you uh, uh, so desire. You know. not, not the best career earnings. But yeah, not a there. great number. For yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, <laughs> we're there. We are I there. tell you, though, it means uh, a lot, right? Like, I just got one from some dude one of three sons trying to wish their dad a happy Father's Day in Australia. Buff was probably too expensive. Like, we'll just get Anik for this one. You know, Buff's <laughs> too expensive, you know. Uh, but no, it's cool when, like, you know, you feel like on Father's Day they give their dad a gift and it's like you wishing the guy a happy birthday. It's a cool thing, you know, or a happy Father's Day, I guess. Um, all right, Ray, uh, a few more minutes with you. Yeah. I would like to talk to you about the, uh, the pay-per-view in Las Vegas coming up this weekend. The main event is Kamzat Shimaev and Nate Diaz. Now, the betting line has bounced around. Depending on where you place your bets, Nate Diaz has been seen as high as plus 940 in some spots against Kamzat Shimaev. Right now, Kamzat minus 1150 and Nate is wow. plus 750. That's the number that I'm going with for our program today. 
Um, what are your thoughts on the main event? And if you had to give a percentage as to what percent chance do you give Nate Diaz to spring the upset, where would you fall on that? Well, if I had to give what, wait, repeat that. Again. What percent chance do you give Nate Diaz to win? Because the betting odds suggest that it's less than ten percent, and I don't agree with that. Uh, listen, I think Nate Diaz is always in the fight. You know, even even losing four rounds to Leon Edwards, he clips him at the end. He's got the guy on ice skates. He could always get you. So he's never out of the fight. He's got you know a great defensive jujitsu. I don't think he'll get beat up on the floor it's just i just think stylistically it's not a good matchup for him but i love nate diaz i'll be definitely pulling for him but uh i think nate has to hope that he kind of makes the same mistakes he made with burns he was just too willing to you know not mix it up stand up with him or maybe you know it's a five-round fight maybe nate could gas him out and, and maybe do something in the later rounds i mean that's a possibility but uh i i think nate's achilles Peel was always the takedowns and you know you can't win fights off your back unless you know the scoring has changed and he could do some damage i don't know i don't know but uh i'm pulling for nate either way yeah uh, but those odds are crazy yeah i i mean you know right now on DraftKings sportsbook nate is down to plus 675 right so that shows you some of the movement but it's been bouncing around you know, my twin brother called me and he's like, dude, I see Diaz plus 940. Now, Kamzat Shimaev is the best prospect I've ever seen in MMA, essentially, or at least certainly in my time with the UFC. But I don't know. It's a huge number next to a guy who's fought 26 times in there. Uh, Ray, we got to go. Thanks for the time on a Monday night. Uh, when, when are you next out of here? No contender I mean, was, series this week, huh? Oh, that, that was, was quick, huh? Holy Jesus, man. You just hit me with 15 things in two seconds. I know. And people think I'm all like hooped up on cocaine or Adderall. And it's not that at all. It's that I'm underslept, you know, a little bit hungover. I drove six hours today, you know, but yeah, I'm a little bit. I'm like a ping pong ball, a little bit all over the place. Like DC spent a few minutes with me and my twin brother. He was like, dude, what is wrong with you guys? Guys giving me anxiety. I know. (laughs) Can you slow down? Dude, I played golf with DC and my twin brother, and he's like, dude, he's what still is going. wrong with you guys? I tell you, you're not making a good case for not being on cocaine right now. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> he's not on, he, they think he's on cocaine and Adderall. They couldn't be further from the truth. <laughs> Ritalin he's on. Jeez, yep. uh, are you all right? Can you take a deep breath? Do you, can you do your box breathing right now? Do the box oh, breathing. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Great. Feel better, no? Yeah, I feel a lot better. Take a sedative and let's get back to the show. I think I was just trying to outro you. Is that what what was going Holy on? Holy crow! That was the that was the most anxious outro I've ever had in my life. <laughs> I don't even know where we left off. Anyway, listen, I'm heading to the Ring of Combat this weekend. Okay. Steve, the manager, oh Lee's gosh. fighting, and Armando oh, Gates. Steve Lee fighting. Steve when Lee's is Steve fighting? Let's go, Steve. Come on, Steve Lee. When is Steve <laughs> Lee fighting? Friday night. I expect you to be watching from Vegas. Uh, okay. All right, right, Steve Lee. Let's go. Get it done for the podcast. One of our P1 listeners. Am I missing anything else? I think that's it. I don't even know. All right, buddy. Well, uh, have a great day and a better evening, and uh, we will talk to you next week. All right? All right, guys. Have a good one. Happy Labor Day. You too, brother. There he is, the Ray Longo Minute every week here on the Anakin Florian podcast. Yeah, my brain is going in a million fucking directions right now. You got energy. That's good. That's a good thing. All right, today's episode of the Anakin Florian podcast is brought to you in part by DraftKings Sportsbook. 
Come and correct with an offer for new customers, as usual, for UFC 279, Chimaya versus Diaz. You bet $5 on any fighter, and win or lose, no matter what happens, you get $200 in free bets instantly, no matter what. The promotion runs from today, September 5th, through Saturday, September 10th, which is pay-per-view evening. This is a promotion for new customers only. Promo code for the offer should be in my bio. You can click the link. UFC 279 is Saturday, of course, live on pay-per-view. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook application and get on in there with us this weekend. I think there are a lot of good opportunities to uh, to make some money, and certainly with a couple of late additions there with Kevin Holland and D-Rod, and of course, Lee Jing Leong and Tony Ferguson. All systems go for UFC 279. So $5 on any fighter to win or lose for new customers on DraftKings Sportsbook. 200 in free bets instantly, no matter what. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook application. Not now, uh, but now. All right, it is time for the main event challenge. It's the main event challenge. And the time is most definitely now. Florian. I finished fights. I'm going to do everything possible to win. The main event challenge. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. To that end, hey. handicapper to the stars. Big Gun Brian Petrie, MMA Takes Podcast. Yes. Coming in hot and heavy this week. It's good to see you, brother. What's the good word? Nothing. Good word to you, boys. Johnny, I saw you at Brian Stan's wedding. Looked like a blast. Uh, very jealous. I'm, I'm a big wedding guy. Uh, I, 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 I don't I don't drink often when I do. It's at a wedding, and then my wife has to carry me out the dance floor. So it's a good time. So, uh, yeah, I'm ready to get in these fights. I'm excited, man. Well, if Ken Flo or I ever renew our vows, you're going to be a part of that festivity. Thank I'm you. not inclined to do that necessarily. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but it's interesting, right? Because I did post a lot of Brian Stan content over the weekend and somebody commented on my Instagram and said like, Hey, is this like a Brian Stan account now? Like, geez, man, you know? And it's like, <laughs> it all comes from a good place. Like, but Brian obviously has a very special relationship with a lot of his former Jackson wink fighters and a lot of the MMA masses as Ken Flo does. Right. And so I really do it to sort of shine some love on him and allow some of those people maybe who have been out of his life to, you know, see him and try to reconnect them. So that's the reason for all of that. And, uh, you know, as long as the bride and groom are okay with it, that's really all. Yeah. Right. Um, All right. So uh, before we make these picks, Bri, if you have 60 seconds for us on anything that happened in Paris, I mean, just a sensational live event. And uh, it's just amazing when you, you set the table, you go to France for the first time and, and you hope that, it'll play out like this, right? And they certainly yeah. could have gone with Tommy Aspinall against Tai Tuivasa. That was Aspinall, Aspinall's wish. They go with this gone Tuivasa fight, and uh, matchmaking certainly worked out. Yeah, I mean, as MMA fans, we're spoiled sometimes, and we shit a lot of times on maybe a lackluster main event, and especially a lackluster heavyweight main event, because you expect heavyweights to just bang it out over in the first round. It goes five rounds, sometimes it can be a drive. But that was an amazing fight. Gone looked on point. He looked aggressive. He fought smart. Tai Tuivasa is an absolute fucking savage. I mean, I knew he was tough. I didn't know he was that tough. He took some big shots. He got head kicked. And I think, I don't know, I think he like fake wobbled kind of Derek Lewis and then threw some haymakers. I mean, I was on the edge of my seat. I loved it. I had Ty, or excuse me, I had gone by third round finish as well. So it all worked out for me as well. So um, with my green colored glasses, I was happy. And as an MMA fan, I was happy as well. Yeah, big, big night for the UFC, but we got to uh, transition to the pay-per-view boys. It beckons here in a few days and likely an electric way, I would think, uh, to kick off the main cod light heavyweight Iwan Kutelaba minus 180. I need reading glasses 
Johnny Walker Blue is plus 150. So Walker coming back here, BP, after main event losses to Tiago Santos and then more recently Jamal Hill, now finds himself as the dog to Iwan Kutelaba trying to sort of rebuild himself. Your thoughts on Johnny Walker in the role of underdog this weekend? Yeah, I don't miss many events, and I could have swore these guys fought. It seems like they'd fight. I had to look back right, and go, what's right. going on? Uh, Walker's been on a bit of a skid. You know, he's bounced around camps. I believe he's settled in Ireland. I know he, like he's marrying an Irish lady, so I don't know if it's – but he's, ba- he's back and forth, and I'm really worried about his confidence because he got knocked out bad his last time against Jamal Hill. I mean, that was clean as they come. And, uh, you know, so I'm worried about where his confidence is at because where's this explosive guy at? Where's this guy that entered the UFC was a, putting everyone out? Antakutalaba, who I broke down before, he's an absolute fucking wild man. He eats nails for breakfast. He'll fist fight anyone that drinks light beer. I mean, this guy is intense. Brian um, Stan like Bud Light. Bud Light? Mm. Bud Light. Right. Like, just give me anything but Bud Light. Brian like, give me Stan, a fucking Coors Light. Oh, <laughs> Brian Stan can only drink mimosas, and I'd be cool with it because of what he's done in this world. Modelo, Modelo? yeah. yeah those with a fighting spirit, maybe? <laughs> I don't go. know. P3, if you'd like a protein snack potentially with your beer, yeah, I don't know, bro. Absolutely. But know, but as Kutalaba is a wild man, he's also inconsistent. One, three, and one in his last uh last five. Um, and he he's trying to really rebound, he's trying to figure out what he is. Am I a striker? Am I not? He's looking for the ground game, he's strong, he's aggressive in there. The Devin Clark fight, he looked mean. Walker is massive for light heavyweight. And I think that's one of his problems. I mean, uh, for having a bad chin right now, because the chin is suspect. I think that weight cut is problem. I like to see him go up to heavyweight. He's fucking six, six for crying out loud, go up to heavyweight, but as explosive as Walker is, and I wish the number was better on Johnny Walker here. I'm going to play it safe. I'm going to go Kutalaba and I actually like the over. I think Kutalaba is going to you know, make this a boring fight. Take him to the ground where Johnny's weak and ride out of the decision here. All right, Kute Laba, good Sambo guy. 13th UFC appearance, uh, coming off a quick loss to Ryan Spann by submission earlier this year. Kenny, the Hulk's fought a really good schedule. Glover Teixeira, Magomed Ankalaev a couple times. Eric Nixick now the uh, chief voice in his corner. Your thoughts on Kute Laba, the favorite here against uh, Johnny Walker Black? Kute Laba is very tough. Um, you know, he's. I, I think he's not going to be threatened from Johnny Walker as far as, you know, a ground game or jujitsu or anything like that. I, I think that more than anything else, Johnny Walker, it can be very explosive. He can be dangerous. Um, I think that's where we saw him early on. There was a lot of flash. There was a lot of pizzazz, but there was no substance to his game. And we're seeing that over and over again. He's a guy who's very physically gifted, but as far as technical skills, um, the foundation, the basics of his game is just not good. And and he's got to get that um, much, much sharper. I don't see that happening. He stands very up upright with his chin up in the air. Not a good thing to have against someone like Kutalaba. Um, you know, not to say Kutalaba is going to finish him for sure. Um, the way that they fight, I'd be surprised if this goes the distance. If it does, um, I still think Kutalaba is the favorite here. So um, I'm sticking with uh, with Kutalaba. All right, next up on the uh, UFC 279 pay-per-view main card. Sneaky huge fight here, boys, in the women's bantamweight division. Irene Aldana, minus 200. Macy Chasson, plus 170. Chasson has won three of four, positioning herself for a pretty big fight here against someone in the division's top five. I believe Aldana is in the top five. She has only fought once in the last 22 months or so, Bri. Perhaps that gives some people some pause. Um but certainly her knockout of Ketlin Vieta continues to age quite well. Your thoughts on Aldana here, about 2-1 to one over Macy Chasson. 
Yeah, I like Macy coming off the Ultimate Fighter. I was really high on her, and I feel like she's just kind of like kind of stayed in the middle. I think this is a huge fight for her, but I'm all over Aldana in this. I, I like the number. I thought the number would be higher here. I think she's better on the feet. I think she's good off her back if Macy wants to get it to the ground. Um, Aldana, uh, Aldana's really big turning point was that submission over Beth Carrera because she started her UFC career 0-2. Armbar Beth Carrera had a really close fight with uh, Raquel Pennington and has gone on a nice little run. Like you mentioned, KO'd Caitlin Vieira, which is no easy task. TKO'd Yana Kutsukaya, who, who's also a yeah. very good fighter as well. That was her last Man, time you're, out. You're, you are having fun with these names today, aren't you? Did I, I mean, hit any You anyone? know how much I love you. I mean, you're doing okay. But... <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, I anyway. thought, hey, listen, I thought I was in the pocket with Kutsukaya. I mean, I, I know, kinda, sometimes I love when you go. Kutsukaya. It goes a little bit quickly, you know. Right. If um, it's a name, I don't know. That's yeah, why I'm not even yeah. trying to pronounce Macy's last well, name. I'm calling it up every time. Guys, he's anyway. not even a pothead. He's calling Ketlin, Caitlin. And, but, you know, <laughs> it's okay. Uh, uh, I, I like Aldana here. Thank you, John, for yeah. uh, for for making fun of my marbles in my mouth and my pronunciation. I do like Aldana here. I think she wins by, uh, by knockout. I think she's mean, too. She's mean in there. I like a finish by Aldana. Uh, I'm going to play her by finish by KO, and I'm going to play her by the number. The number doesn't scare me, even though it's two to one. Patreon deterred Aldana lost to Holly Holm in a main event. That was October of 2020 fight Island. She stopped Yana Kunitskaya at UFC 264. That was July of 2021 uh, has been more than a year for Aldana Shasson coming on up. Ken Flo, your thoughts on this one at 135. You know, I, I think Aldana is a, a very good striker. You know, I think the way that she moves her feet, she can counter strike. She gets some angles. She hits very hard. Uh, when she's sitting down on her punches. Uh, and Chasson, I think, has got a lot of different skills, and she's a smart fighter. Uh, you know, I think that, I don't know, I, I would have liked to seen, and maybe this is where BP was going, but I, I would like to seen more development in her game. I thought she had a lot of potential. I still think she does. Um, I'd like to see her add on to those skills a little bit more. I still think at times she doesn't let her hands go when she should. Um, you know, very physically gifted, tall, lanky for the division. Uh, Aldana is as well, but you know, I, I think that uh, Aldana is just a little bit too clean of a striker. I think, I don't know if she's going to get the KO win, but I think she'll know how to win rounds uh, and, and win this here uh, against Chasson. Next up, a recent addition to the UFC 279 lineup. Kevin Holland minus 190, Daniel Rodriguez plus 160. Brian, this one to be contested at a catch weight of 180 pounds. Your thoughts? Yeah, I love that they added this to beef up the card. The card was, you know, depending on the main event, they added two really good fights. This is one of them. I love Kevin Holland at 170. I know this is a catchweight, but really he's fighting another 170. And D-Rod's a beast, dude. D-Rod could be on a 13-fight win streak. I thought he won the Dolby fight, but, you know, it is what it is. So he's 6-1 in the UFC, and he's proven to be pretty well-rounded. He can he can take your neck. He can submit you. Really good boxing in the pocket. Tough, durable dude as well. Great record overall. And I think he's a good, good fighter. Problem is, I think Kevin Holland is a special fighter at 170. I'm putting the special stamp on him. Yeah, you are. I think he's looked great in his first two UFC uh, fights at 170. Started a little bit slow. Took him a while to get there. But he's an absolute sniper when he finds it. And, uh, you know, he's a little under um, – um, he's a little um, – I can't even think of the word now. <laughs> distracted. Now I think I'm going to mispronounce it. Get dog done. Here okay. we go. Kevin Holland is a sniper. I think people maybe sleep on his power a little bit, even though he knocks people out. He's knocked people out 85. He's finished both these guys at 205. Yeah. He's also good on the ground. Both these guys coming on short notice, no one's going to wrestle. That's the big knock on Kevin Holland. Oh, you can't take him. You can take him down. You can wrestle him because he went through that skit at 185. But neither of these guys are wrestlers. They're taking a fight on two weeks notice. They're not going to waste that energy. They're going to go in there. They're going to bang it out. 
I think Daniel Rodriguez might have more of the technical boxing. He's a little smooth. The straight punch is really nice. But Kevin Holland on the outside is just is just a problem. I don't know how Kevin Holland's going to win. I don't have my finger on how this ends. Um, but I do like Kevin Holland to win. I'm going to stay by TKO, but uh, it, it very well could be a decision because Daniel Rodriguez has never been finished. So uh, give me Kevin Holland. Nicely done, big guy. D-Rod has won three in a row, all in what was a perfect 2021 for him. This will be his first start of the year. Holland Kenny making his 16th UFC appearance in just over four years on the roster, certainly has been a workhorse for the UFC and two and zero with as many finishes for Holland thus far in 2022. Your thoughts on him here favored over D-Rod Daniel Rodriguez. Well, I think it's one of those fights that are very interesting because Kevin uh, has stayed very busy and, and you wonder if, if he's not healthy, if he's not a hundred percent, you do not want to be in there with someone like a D-Rod who is going to be in your face. He's going to pressure you. He's going to back you up. I think there's a lot of value on Daniel Rodriguez right now. I really do. Um, I think he is a hard guy to put away. Um, I think that similar to Kevin Holland, he's a guy that tends to heat up as the fight goes on. I think that's going to be very interesting. Um, I think he's fighting with a lot of confidence right now. He's very comfortable in the octagon right now. But who's the more technical fighter? Who's the more capable fighter? I think Kevin Holland is, um, whether it's on the feet or on the ground. That's why I'm leaning towards Kevin Holland. Um, I'm going to pick Kevin Holland here, but I do think there's some serious value on D-Rod. Nicely done, my man. Co-main event now, guys. The Leech, Lee Jing Leung, minus 260, Tony Ferguson, plus 220. Another fight that was added to UFC 279 about three weeks ago. So the leech responded beautifully to his loss to Kamzat Shimaev, stoppage of Muslim Salikov. That was July 16th on ABC. On the other side, Brian Ferguson moves up to welterweight and the former UFC interim lightweight champion trying to get his first win since 2019 when he bested Donald Cerrone. Your thoughts on Ferguson here against the leech, Lee Jingliang. Man, I have such mixed feelings on this fight because is Tony coming back to you? You guys talked about last week. Tony but coming back too soon. Is he done? How's his chin? Well, with all that worries aside, I like that that's at 170, and I think this is a good matchup for both guys. I want to comment. I want to commend Tony because I the last time I broke his fight down, I kind of shitted on his training camp a little bit. The comments let me have it. He he switched it up. He went to Jackson's, and every coach that is at Jackson's is telling us this guy's coach will be a workhorse. I think you need that. I think you need to go instead of running your own camps, you go to a camp like Jackson's. If Greg Jackson's corner, I think Greg Jackson's such a great mind. Brandon Gibson, Mike Wigglejohn, all those guys. But the leech doesn't give a fuck about any of that. I mean, he don't care. I mean, the leech is mean. I was surprised that he's been in the UFC since 2014. That is, that's, I mean, that's eight years. That's crazy. But he's 34 now. And this is his biggest wow. fight in the UFC in my date. So I, to date, so this is, his time is now, especially at 170, being 34, being a pretty good size 170. I think the time is now, you know, and the leech is a durable, tough dude. He's got a bigger chin than Drew Dober. He's got a Jay Leno on his face. He's never been knocked out, but his weakness yeah. has been the ground. You know what I mean? He can get taken out. He's going to submit it. We've seen it before. Can Tony do that? Tony is, has a wrestling background. We haven't really seen it all that much lately. He likes to stand up and brawl, but if you look at the, the Michael Chandler fight, he looked pretty good leading up to that fight. I mean, he got kicked. That front kick would have knocked anybody out, but he looked fast. He looked quick. If that same Tony comes in here, it can be very interesting here. I like Tony. Um, you know, he's really good offensive jitsu. Listen, I need a dog, though. I'm not a chalk boy. I need a dog. So Tony at this number, I like. I'm going to roll the dice thinking that he's there, but the leech can knock him out. The leech is big, big power. I like Tony. Give me Tony and add the submission to my card as well, which would be a nice wow. little juicy number. So I think Tony by sub is, is the way to go here. 
Ferguson by submission is the pick for Brian Petrie. And Kempflo probably eats that front kick, by the way, for the record. I do think <laughs> well, Kempflo's never been knocked out. Him. Yeah, he does. Never. Uh, so the leech, no matter what happens in his career from here, what a tremendous body of work. One of the more prolific finishers in UFC welterweight history. And I would say relative to expectations, um, I think he's exceeded them in the eyes of a lot of people. Also happens to represent the home team, the Institute of Human Performance in Boca Raton, Florida. But I digress. All right, main event Ken Flo will uh oh you didn't pick the co-main did you no yeah he's got to go hey can I, I go? caught myself hey, hey John is it cool <laughs> if I go can I pick oh I mean can I go yeah I'd okay, like I'd like go. your thoughts on the co-main event and I would just like <laughs> to let you. you know at this point that you will lead us on the main event whenever we do get there <laughs> I thank you very much Cody um, put yeah. this episode on the demo reel I think this is the one <laughs> this is the one this is the one <laughs> Hey, listen, I, I think uh, Lee is uh, – he's a handful, man. Um, I, I think he's going to be a hard guy to put away, and I absolutely agree with BP's assessment. It's like Tony Ferguson is a better ground fighter than Lee Jing Leo. There's no, there's no question about it. The problem is can he take him down? I don't think so. I, I think that we haven't seen a whole lot of Tony's offensive wrestling for a reason. Uh, yes, he likes to stand up and trade, but – I don't know. We, we don't see a whole lot of successful offensive wrestling takedowns from Tony Ferguson. And I see it being more unlikely going up a weight class on 170 pounds. So th that's worrisome to me. I, I think Tony has a shot here. Uh, the problem is, is Tony's had a lot of tough fights. Um, Tony, in his prime, wins this fight, in my opinion. I think he wins this fight. Um, I, I hope he proves me wrong. But I, I think that the leech is still nasty. He's still hungry. I still think he's going to have way more knockout power than Tony Ferguson. Tony Ferguson's best shot is getting leech, getting the leech tired round three, you know, just it being a bloody war, him then getting on top on the ground and getting some kind of TKO. I don't see it going down like that. I see them trading, but I see the leech when he lands it having much more of an impact. And at this stage of Tony Ferguson's career, I, I don't like that. Um, so that's worrisome. I, I would, again, I would love to be proven wrong. I think Tony has a tremendous amount of skills. He's given us some of the best fights in UFC history. Uh, certainly one of the greatest lightweights in UFC history. But this one at welterweight, at this stage of his career against the leech, I, I don't love it. Uh, I'm going with the leech here. All right, and that brings us to the main event at welterweight, third-ranked, 170-pound contender, the undefeated Hamzat Shimaev, minus 1150. Nate Diaz, plus 750. That number continues to bounce around. Diaz has gone from plus 675 to plus 700 just during this taping, but we're going plus 750 for the record. Chimaev, 11-0, had to work for it, certainly, though, Kenny, against Gilbert Burns. That was back in April at UFC 273. Now he draws the iconic Nathan Diaz, who has been on this roster since June of 2007 when he won season five of The Ultimate Fighter, Diaz Chimaev under the light Saturday night. Ken Flo will be watching. Who do you have in the main event? Hamzat Chimaev is a, a guy that is a tremendous wrestler, and wrestlers like that have traditionally given Nate Diaz, Nate Diaz trouble, right? This is not, this is not a uh, surprising take. Um, this is what a lot of people already know. Will Hamzat take him down and utilize his wrestling to win this fight? 
I don't think he is. I, I don't think he is. I think if we I think if he wanted to, we would have seen that against Gilbert Burns. And I saw a guy in Hamzat Chimaev who was not willing to exchange for very long on on the ground with someone like Gilbert Burns. And and obviously Gilbert Burns, world championship pedigree, jiu-jitsu, all that stuff. He's very dangerous. Nate Diaz off of his back is extremely dangerous as well. Um I think it was a good thing and a bad thing, and, and what we saw with Hamzat Chimaev. Um, why? I, I think for Hamzat, hopefully, you hope that he learned a lot from that fight against Gilbert Burns, um, and that he's going to learn to pace himself and not force knockouts and all that stuff, blah, blah, blah. Um, but you did see a guy who didn't have a whole lot of experience, and I think that lack of experience is what caused him to struggle at times against guys like Gilbert Burns. Gilbert Burns, a tremendous fighter, but when we look at the potential of Hamzat Chimaev and as far as taking the best path to victory, Hamzat decided not to do that. He chose a different path. We got an amazing fight because of it, a legendary fight because of it, but it was concerning to me. You are facing Nate Diaz, a guy who is, you know, maybe at the end of his career, but Leon Edwards, okay, if we're if we're gonna compare the technical striking of Leon Edwards to Hamzat Chimaev, who who do you think is the more technical striker? I would, I would say, say Leon Edwards. With no question about it. Who has more power? Hamzat Chimaev. I, I think that guy is a wrecking machine. He hits you, he could put you out. Can he put Nate Diaz out at this stage of career? It's possible. I'm going to say no, because we just don't see it. Not like that. And I also think the other path to victory when you beat someone like a Nate Diaz is light kicks. Um, Hamzat can fight out of the southpaw stance. Uh, if he's not using leg kicks to get in and get out, just expecting to overpower Nate Diaz um, and outbox Nate Diaz, I don't think that is the path. That is, a, that is what we've seen from Hamza. He overpowers you. He utilizes his boxing to take you out, knock you out. He gets you on the ground, and he overwhelms you with a TKO or something like that. From what I've seen, and yes, you know, the easy pick here, it's Hamza Chimaev. But I see a whole lot of value here with Nate Diaz. Why? Because this is the last fight on his contract, supposedly. Okay? Um, he ain't going out like a bitch. How much more value does he have, whether he's leaving or staying with the UFC and getting a win and getting a win over a Hamza Chimaev? He's been here before, right? There's no bigger fight than fighting Conor McGregor. There's no right. there's no more people watching you than when you're fighting a Conor McGregor. This is, this is not new to Nate Diaz. Um, I still think he's got a whole lot of nasty in him. Uh, and if Hamzat faces him the way that he typically fights, if he fights him, the way that he typically fights, I think that um, he may be in for a rude awakening. Uh, I really do. I, and again, I, I'm a huge Hamzat Chimaya fan. I'm just a little nervous for him um, because he hasn't been in a lot of these spots. Um, I think that, you know, it, there, people have a tendency to think, oh, well, I'm fighting Nate Diaz. And blah. The big knock on Nate Diaz is that he hasn't evolved, really. He, he, he's going to fight the same way and all that stuff. But if Hamzat, fights him. I think that plays in an Diaz's game. And the easy pick is going with Hamza Chimaev here, but at plus 750, I'm going with Nate Diaz. Fuck it. Oh, I love it. 
I love it. Give me all of those three minutes or whatever it was. That was a beautiful <laughs> thing. No, that was a beautiful thing. I mean, you hit on so many things and things I have in my notes that now I'm not even going to get to. Quickly, Bry, on yeah. Diaz, right? Body of work. And no, Bry, you take as much damn time as you want. Like, this no, is the I'm, show. Like, it's this is hard to follow. It's hard to follow. It is, no, it's just good. Right. That's why we normally have you lead. No, I'm just kidding. Right, right. No, it's you're right. To mix it up. No, dude, you're a legend. All right. <laughs> last win for Nate Diaz was August 2019 against Anthony Pettis. It has now been 14 months since he did go five rounds with the now champion Leon Edwards. That was UFC 263. And it's a whole nother story there that Leon's now the champion, given the way that mm-hmm. fight went down. All told, the 27th and perhaps final UFC appearance for Nate Diaz. Can flow pretty bullish on his chances. Your thoughts, yeah. BP? Well, the line's absurd for sure. I mean, Nate Diaz is an absolute G. He could easily win this multitude of ways, right? Hamzat's only had 11 fights. I mean, let's, I mean, we all got to remember that. I mean, a lot of people are forgetting that. He's only 11 fights. Um, and yeah, he's a beast. He's a stub, but that's still not a, like a lot. I mean, that's still kind of borderline, you know, green in there. Um, and no way, no matter what, the way this outcome ends, Nate's going to win. I have friends of mine that are 209 army or die. And they consider what happened in that fifth round of Leon Edwards fight a win because you know what I mean? Like he was getting dominated the whole fight, but Hey, look yeah. what happened in the fifth round. So Nate can do no wrong. He's going to go outside the UFC. If that is true. And he's going to do Nate Diaz things. He has an army win or lose draw. It's kind of like Conor McGregor problem with this is I might get some shit. Kenny kind of mentioned it at two nine. I think Nate has plateaued as a fighter. I think everything that he was really good at is kind of stayed the same or regressed a little bit. You know, his, his punching used to be really pity pat mixed to the body. We don't really see that anymore. His last really vintage Nate Diaz performance was back in 2016. That's when he was 31 years old. He's 37 now. You know, he's not the most active guy in the world. I mean, his last win was Pettis, but the last time I thought he looked vintage Nate was the Conor McGregor one and two. I thought he looked good in both fights. And I think his volume of punches are down. His takedown offense is non-existent. And his submission wins last time, 2016 over Conor McGregor. Time before that, 2012 over Jim Miller. It's been a while since he's really been on. But again, see who he's fighting. Leon Edwards took him down multiple times, I think five times. Didn't really want to play the guard game with them. I understand that. Chemayev's a star. He's next up. They're pushing that. This is what the UFC does with these new upcoming guys. I mean, it's kind of their blueprint. I really don't understand the backlash that people are, are giving this fight, saying like, oh, they're feeding Nate to the dogs. They should have. Nate is a dog himself. What are we talking about? He asked for this fight. There's no feeding to anybody. This is just what's up next. Um, I, you know, Kenny swayed me a little bit because I'm looking at this number and it fucking gets me excited. But I'm going to have to go the other way. I know it's an easy way out. I, I just really am high in Shmaev. I think what ultimately what's going to come down to, because Nate is no bitch and he's a fucking G, is he's going to get cut up and it's going to get stopped. It's going to be a lot like the Mazadal fight. Um, I can see that happening, but you're right. It throws me pause. I rewatched the Burns fight, and it looked like Chimaev didn't really want to do anything with Burns on the ground. He was a little hesitant to go to the ground. Burns. He tried a few takedowns. He got stuff, but mostly he wants to stand on the feet. Um, uh, you know, he can take Nate down whenever he wants. You know, but is he going to want to play the guard game? How have we seen that? And the last time Nate fought a real 170 uh, was Roy McDonald. Roy McDonald tossed him all over the cage. I know that was many years ago. But Hazam Achayev is, is big. And my boy, Chris Curtis, who has trained with them, says he's the strongest guy he's ever trained with when he's in Vegas. He's like, these guys, he's yeah, different. Man. So with an undersized Nate going in there, I'm good to go with Shamayev. TKO round three, probably doctor stoppage. But Kenny's right. The value, I think, is on Nate with that absurd number. And I think it's just going to keep getting higher once people get to Vegas this week. Um, but yeah, I just, I, I'm going to be a square and go with Shamayev. No, I, but hey, you're giving us a round and a method of victory without yeah. being prompted, which we like. So uh, yeah. you get more from Brian Petrie 
on his MMA Takes podcast on social media at Brian Petrie MMA. I was excited for this main event before you guys gave me all the bells and whistles. Now I'm even more. And I'm Jack now. Now, Ken, I mean, I'm going to go run through my fucking wall after this. After Kenny's <laughs> sermon he laid on me. I love it. He doesn't pick underdogs for ratings. I'll tell you that. I know. That's why I'm, that he feels that. That's why I love that shit. All right, BP. Appreciate your time. As always, we will Thanks, talk boys. to you uh, in a week. Hey, All right. I'll see you. Brian Petrie with us for the main event challenge. A couple of happy birthdays here on my list before we get to the marrow seconds. I mean, Cody, pop your mug up anytime you want. Uh, happy birthday to Connie Buffer, Bruce Buffer's mom, as we mentioned, celebrating birthday number 94. Happy birthday today to the general safe Saud and happy birthday to Clark Florian. Oh, still, still. So much younger than her husband, Kenny. Which is <laughs> she really is. She She's really so is. much younger than her husband. It's great. Good for you, dude. You got massive well, I mean, dub. Kenny. Massive <laughs> dub. Exactly. What a huge win, you know? <laughs> Fucking ratioing all of us. Oh, Cody, all God. with a blacked out background today. Yeah. What's well, going on, kid? I'm on East Coast time. I don't have a mansion like Kenny. Oh, you that's know? right. <laughs> so I'm, you know, I'm just doing my best over here. What's, uh, what's going on? Little features I do have. What, what do you have for us, Blues? What do you got? Well, so during that uh, discussion with Ray, I found it interesting to go back and look at some uh, Kenny Florian lightweight statistics. <laughs> so I thought it was interesting. The all-time least strikes absorbed. Number one, Islam Makachev, all-time in the lightweight division. Number two was Matt Sarah, And number nine all-time was Kenny Florian. So pretty damn oh, yeah. impressive uh, oh, yeah. Anakin Florian podcast list. Yup. Yup. That too, forthcoming. <laughs> well, and... <laughs> If there wasn't any dissension in the main event challenge, I was going to say, like, I'm not really incentivized to do this, but if Nate Diaz goes out in there and wins, like, I'll get a 209 tattoo. Yes! <laughs> 100%. I'll fly down to Let's Florida. We'll, we'll get it done. Let's go. Dude, so, that is amazing. I absolutely love it. I I'll absolutely it. love Brood it. For- and anybody who wants to join Cody or put any sort of tattoo bet on this, uh, on this, at Anna Florian Pod, we're not giving away pay-per-view tickets this time around, but, uh, if you want to get in on the tattoo bet, good for you, Cody. Where are you going to get that 209 tattoo when Nathan uh, upsets the apple cat? Uh, I'm going to get it like on the top of my barber pole, which I already got. So <laughs> where's that? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, God. I am a neck tattoo guy myself, but it doesn't work. Well, you I haven't even gotten your game bread tattoo. So when, if I go down there for the 209 tattoo, you got to get game bread, right? I you do have that yet. Game bread. Yeah, I do. I do. Yeah. Well, I, it's almost embarrassing the fact that I essentially came up with the new AF logo and more people have it tattooed on their bodies than our whole podcast. Yeah. So yeah, maybe I should start there. You know, maybe yeah. it's like an AF with a 209 in it on my titty Ooh, or something. I think that would something be great. Like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what else do you have for us, young man? Uh, so I thought something from UFC Paris was interesting. The Gomez versus Aaron's fight uh, was a majority decision with the last round being a 10-10 from Judge Christopher Chapui. So Christopher Chapui, if you want to come to America... Like replace some of these fools that are giving out shitty scorecards. Like we'll get you. We'll get you on a flight. Was it no. was it warranted? I didn't see that fight, uh, Cody. In your opinion? Yeah. Well, and I just think if if we're gonna have more liberal callings of the you know scorecards, then you got to have ten tens in there too. There's got to be ten eights. There's got to be ten tens. I agree with you, but that judge would get raked over the coals and lose all his work in the United States of America. Those judges are told to a man, to a woman, ten tens don't exist except for technical circumstances they don't exist they basically put a pistol to your temple and say pick a fucking winner yeah you know well, I mean, rose landed one jab on carla give her the round yeah you know well, that's what it, they want i'm just, just saying i don't agree with no i part. get it it's, but is this the unified rules or is this the mike mazuli rules of mma like i mean the guy's got an opinion on everything 
Like, yeah. I so know. what, uh, yeah, that's interesting though. I didn't know that. Uh, good, good Intel from you there. Yeah. So the last thing, cause we got kind of a short week, you know, not too much, but NFL season, baby, we're back. Let's so we're back go. with the America's favorite segments, Cody's covers at the end of the show. <laughs> or well, so actually doesn't not, cover. Not yeah. Covers. So and usually that's the case. I misspell like half a point most of the time, but what I think would be funny based on what Ray said is if we, so you and I actually like watch the games, we take some pride in the fact that we can, you know, handicap these things. What if we just make Ray like bucket in a hat, pick a team every week. And then that's what he's got to do. And we'll see who has the better record at the end of the year. I so like it. maybe Ray picking random spread, like, almost like if you had a dog picking like out of dog bowls. So like, I think I we should do that. I think we should. Do I that. wish we had done it for week one, but maybe you'll throw all the we games can, in a hat. There's time. Can, there's time. Yeah, we, we can do it. All right. So what is your lock for uh, Cody covers in week one? So I'm going to Ken Flo's neck of the woods here. And hey, maybe Kenny can go and give us the, the inside scoop there. But I like Carolina minus two and a half at home against Cleveland Browns. Uh, it's a revenge game for Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield going up against his own team. And who has more experience with the Browns defense than Baker Mayfield? He played against them all last year in practice. Yep. So I like that. Jacoby resets the quarterback on the other side. Obviously, there's a huge discrepancy there. I love Jacoby, but it's not a starting quarterback in the NFL, not in this league. The Browns defense ranked 12th last year in the rush game going up against uh, Christian McCaffrey is obviously a big factor in this game. And Carolina was eighth in the rush. So the Browns are going to rest on their rush game a lot this year. Huge backfield with Nick Chubb. And the Panthers have a great rush defense. So I think it's going to be great for them. Home field advantage will give you three points. So you're telling me in a neutral field that the Browns should be minus half a point? No fucking way. Panthers minus two and a half. Ooh, Cody, Panthers minus two and a half with conviction in week one. That's good stuff. Uh, All right, anything else before we uh, let you fly? All right, that's going to do it for our 364th episode. Once we do a show next week, there will be an episode for every day of a calendar year, which is super fucking exciting. So maybe we'll have a special guest. Maybe not. You'll have to tune in to find out. Uh, Don't forget, Anakin Florian Rewind exclusively on UFC Fight Pass, on which Ken Flo and I look back at a singular fight in UFC history. Remember the show with Bilal Muhammad and my twin bro, Jason Anik, coming up this Thursday night on this very channel. If you want your AF merchandise, AnnaFlorianPodcast.com. For the One More Sleep merchandise, go to Millions.co and KennyFlorianMartialArts.com for all of your jujitsu essentials. With that, for our producer, Cody Merrow, for Ray Longo, Brian Petrie, Ken Flo, and the rest, John Anik, saying so long from Las Vegas, Nevada. We will see you live on pay-per-view Saturday night and next week for another edition of the yet-to-win-an-award Anakin Florian Podcast. Maybe someday. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. 
same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly.